1: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. Hello and welcome to Mediumship Matters with me, Hannah McIntyre. How are you doing? Today I'm going to get through some of these listener questions. I've got a bit of a backlog um, and answer your questions for the podcast. So if you've got a question that you would like an answer to, don't forget to email it over to podcast at hannahmedium.co.uk. So our first question today comes from Karen and Karen says, Hi Hannah, hope you're well. Just wondering if this is possible. When you are lacking confidence in yourself, is it possible to practice a mediumship connection without the person knowing you're doing it? For example, sitting with a friend for lunch or meeting for a walk and trying to connect without them knowing. This could be someone you are not too close with and therefore don't know about their loved ones in spirit. I know this sounds a bit daft because you could not know if you're right without them confirming it, but could you make a note of what you're getting and then ask them at a later date? Hope you can help. Love your podcast. I've learned so much. Thank you, Karen. Ah, well, it is possible, but I've got to be a bit of a stick in the mud here and say just because something is possible doesn't necessarily mean that we should be doing it. So I do believe that we live in a universe of free will and choice and I don't think that it is appropriate to make a connection with somebody's loved one in the spirit world without them asking you to because it's such a big thing, it's such a big experience for people, it's completely life-changing. Now that said there have been two moments which I've mentioned on the spirit stories recently where um, the people in the spirit world have made that choice for me which is very very different and that's been twice in 13 years where the spirit world knew that it was the right time for that person to hear from them or perhaps they'd asked privately and separately or whatever happened but the choice was kind of taken away from me because the spirit world made it so abundantly clear that they were there. But apart from that, I don't think you should because people have to be ready. If you're in a fragile state and you are really um, learning to deal with your grief or deal with your life, it can be very upsetting to hear from your loved one If you're not ready and reconciled with it and you're not choosing it. But what you can do is practice with random, for want of a better expression, spirits. And that's something I did a lot of. So in that scenario, Karen, you wouldn't be able to um, obviously check that what you're getting is right, but it's a great way of learning to practice and be in that space is asking the spirit world to, for, for, people in in spirit who are willing to come in and help you learn and help you grow and practicing that connection. But, as I always say, there's a certain point where you have to start practicing on other people and you have to start allowing yourself to receive feedback. And that is really difficult and really hard. But I also don't think that you will achieve with your mediumship what you, what is possible to achieve with it if it's not live. So if we look at the mediumship triangle, you have got the spirit world, the sitter and the medium. If you don't have the sitter's active involvement, your blend will never reach the level of depth that it could because you need their energy to be part of it. It's something you can often see in mediumship demonstrations where the medium is working at a certain level, but when they find the right sitter, their their reading starts to elevate. The information they are getting becomes more specific and more right, deeper, deeper. I don't know, specific, I think specific covered it actually. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole there, didn't I? And so that's important to understand because it will limit your mediumship and your mediumistic experience if you do not allow yourself to practice with other people but it's hard. I understand that it's hard. And I understand this is probably not the answer that you wanted. (laughs) Frustrating, isn't it? It's always the problem. It's the never ending problem of not feeling ready to practice with other people, but then equally limiting our mediumship. So we'll never become ready to practice on other people because we haven't allowed ourselves to practice with other people and so on and so forth. So I hope that that Makes sense. I hope that that helps. Uh, message me if it doesn't, but yeah, it is difficult. Okay. Next question was submitted through my website from Kayla. And Kayla says Hi, Hannah, I'm a listener of the podcast and have left a five star review. Good girl, Kayla. Thank you very much. You've helped me so much. I've just started working into my gifts and I feel like so much is happening quickly. I've been getting names spot on and often I don't understand quite how I'm able to do this so well. I feel I'm evidential like you because I tend to get a lot spot on. I feel so blessed, but I feel I need some way to get a grip on it all. I don't want to be missing something or making my readings harder for myself. I'm just trying to learn what signs and feelings mean. Often a knowing just comes, but at times it doesn't. I do meditate and I do sit in power. But is there like a 10-step system I could follow of some sort? I'm practicing and doing readings often. I also have a super active mind full of ideas. So even being able to center enough to connect impresses me. I don't want to become rushed in my process or disorganized. Thank you so much for what you'll do. You're the first medium I connect with that has a podcast. I love your insights and outside-the-box creative thoughts on mediumship. Love and light, Kayla. There isn't a 10-step process. And the reason why there isn't a 10-step process, Kayla, is because everybody's mediumship should be individual. So there is a general skeleton process that I will give you in a second that might help. But if you're getting to the point in your blend where you're able to get specific things like names, I don't really think that there's a problem. I think often in mediumship, there's lots of things banded around all the time, like meditating, like sitting in the power, that we tell ourselves we should be able to do. But actually, that in itself is a disorganized confusion. Yeah, meditate if you want to, if you feel like you need to, but actually... Every single medium that I've interviewed on the podcast that I've asked about their daily practice and if they meditate, they don't. We all do it on occasion and sometimes I think it's a bit like eating your vegetables. You do it because you feel like you should rather than because you want to. If you love meditation, then by all means do it. If you like sitting in the power, then by all means do it. But don't tell yourself that these things are necessary for a spirit communication. For me, when I'm teaching beginners and students, the process is start with the spirit world. Think of uh, some things that you would like to receive from that spirit, but don't become limited by it. So, before actually, before you even start in a communication and get a communicator in, start by thinking about what it is that you would like. As evidence to start you off and don't be limited by it and don't be limited by the order of it so for example relationships personality how they passed their feelings about the sitter um, how long they've been in the spirit world the jobs that they did all things like that really help you to just get an idea of what you can expect at the beginning of a reading but sometimes they will come in different orders and sometimes you will get things that are unexpected. My biggest piece of advice is to go with things that have an energy of emotion behind them, a feeling behind them because that feeling is the charge that drives your mediumship connection. So start off by thinking about things that you think would be good starting points um, and understanding that it is a power that builds so you are blending with the spirit and at the beginning you want bullet point information. Now you can go back to things later on once you know that the reading is going well and you are blending with the spirit well but at the beginning you just want bullet point information I've got a man here this feels like dad I feel that he passes of a heart attack I know he's got a big character he's fun-filled he's laughing I know that he's been in spirit for about a decade just bullet point information and there is a point in your reading where You do enough bullet points that you get a lovely blend with the spirit and that is different every time depending on the spirit. But you get that lovely bullet point information, you get that lovely blend and then once you're in that space where you are completely surrendered to the spirit then you can get the pieces of information where there is a story and you can expand into it. But you have to allow that beginning process to happen so that the latter process can take place. So many people start with the latter process and start trying to expand things too early and it slows their reading down. And I know that I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I'm going to mention it again now. One of the things that's really important to know is... When you are at the beginning, some of the things that you might see in your mind's eye or experience will be more you and less spirit. The example I always use is a dog. So for example, you know that person in spirit has got a dog with them, but the image that your brain brings up is a Labrador and in fact in life they had a terrier. And it's just because your brain has brought the image up. When you are fully blended and fully in that space of surrender with the spirit, the images that will be risen will be from them. But that is a process that takes time to get to. But by all means, I would suggest experimenting with it, finding what works for you. That is the process that works for me and works for the majority of the students that I teach to get them started but there is always the joyful moment when they start saying to me well Hannah I've been doing it the way you taught me but actually I prefer to do it like this and I go good good because it means they've got enough confidence in their abilities from that beginning process to allow themselves to expand into the naturalness of their connection with spirit and that will make a much much better medium than just following it my way or the highway forever. So I hope that that helps. But that is very much how I do it. And you may have heard me mention before about uh, the train, the analogy that I like to use, which is just imagining it being a train going Up a mountain, you've got to chuck enough coal on the fire to get it going. But once it's over that hill and running nicely, you can take your foot off the gas. And that for me is the exact way that mediumship works. You chuck enough evidence in as quickly as you can at the beginning. And when once it gets rolling and it takes on a power of its own, you can relax and enjoy into it. And then it's just a case of allowing that experience to gently expand and working on being able to hold that connection for longer, bit by bit by bit, slowly, slowly, slowly. I hope that that helps. Thank you very, very much for submitting a question. Right, where are we going to next? Oh, I've got an email from Christopher here um, and Let me read it to you all. Hi, Hannah. First of all, I would like to say I love your podcast and it always resonates so much. I was listening to your recent podcast about mediums stepping away from evidential readings. This is how much my backlog is, guys. I was a developing medium for a few years before COVID and doing one-to-ones, demonstrations and the odd church service. When COVID hit, I stopped doing all forms of mediumship. I recently had a huge pull to go back into it. Someone asked me for a one-on-one reading and my guides told me to do it. I contemplated for a few days and then decided to do it. This was my first reading in approximately three years. Before the reading, I was so in the power and I found it quite easy to hold the power, but the reading didn't go well at all. I could easily read the sitter psychically, but when I shifted my energy to the spirit world, it was a different story. Was it my fear? Was it the sitter's fear? Or was the sitter expecting too much from the evidence? Contemplated all these things and then listened to your podcast, which came at perfect timing. It made me think, why do we put so much pressure on ourselves, our lives? I have quite a cushy life and I don't need to have the emotional roller coaster of evidential mediumship. Keep doing what you're doing. It's helping so many. Chris. And I know that that podcast was a while ago now, but I just wanted to share that with you guys because it's just coming up again and again and again that so many mediums are finding it really, really hard to sit in the vulnerability of evidential mediumship. I was interviewed recently on Spirit Guided podcast and Erica and Pearl on there, they were saying the same thing as well. It is such a vulnerable state to get into. It is such an emotional experience for the medium to be sat in front of somebody and trying so hard to surrender and allow, but also trying to give them what they want when they've got preconceived ideas and notions of what makes good mediumship. And it's always a challenge it's always difficult and I think you have to really want to do it to put yourself in that position as you guys know I'm very open that I've been taking some time off doing evidential mediumship for that reason because it is just too painful for me because the stress of sitting in it and trying to do it that way is physically painful and I find that I'm able to manage that much easier in a demonstration setting than I am in a one-on-one. And I think that's because in a one-on-one, you've got this prolonged period of immersing yourself in it with somebody's expectations. When you're doing a demonstration, it's quicker. It's a short, sharp shock, Um, probably more loving than a short, shock. short, sharp, Oh, will it probably more loving than that anyway you know what I mean but it is interesting to sit with isn't it so thank you Christopher for messaging that and letting us all know your thoughts I've also had a lovely email from David um, Hale who was also a medium uh, who's saying thank you for, for I think it's that one again how difficult it is doing evidential mediumship so that was a success wasn't it Now here is a question from lovely Aaron and Aaron says hi Hannah I hope this email finds you well it's been a very long time since I emailed a question but I'm slowly working my way through the podcasts I missed. I apologize if this question has been asked before and I've missed it but I thought I would ask just in case. I'm currently returning to spirituality after losing faith due to becoming ill. I feel like a beginner once again, and my intuition as such feels a bit iffy, for lack of a better word. By the way, your podcasts are definitely helping me return to my spiritual path, and I cannot thank you enough for this. I think they did the same for me first time around, too. Now, I, like yourself, don't believe our futures are predestined. I believe in manifestation. I'm a big follower of the idea that we create our own reality. However, I'm currently confused. I'm getting a lot of signs and guidance lately suggesting I have a mission and certain things are on my horizon as I am supposed to achieve them. I keep being shown people and occupations I am meant to meet and do and it is actually quite possible I could achieve this. Not to be too nerdy. Oh, Aaron, always be nerdy. I love nerds. From one nerd to another nerd. Let's fly the nerdy flag. (laughs) Anyway. Not to be too nerdy, but I keep being shown Gandalf and the wizards being sent to Middle-earth, and now they all had the same job to do, but only one achieved it. Sorry for nerding out there, but I figured that's the best way to explain what I'm seeing, lol. This, however, conflicts with my idea about the universe and future predictions, so do we sometimes have missions that we're supposed to do? I've often heard about soul contracts and being sent here for a reason. I often roll my eyes as it sounds very egotistical and self-important. I don't like thinking like this. But does it happen sometimes? Do we have a mission or contract, but it's perfectly okay if we don't achieve it? Truth be told, I'm scared I'm going to believe it too much, and if it doesn't happen, it will shatter my faith completely. I'm sorry if I'm rambling, but I thought I'd better ask the best medium I know. Kind regards, Aaron.
1: In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never
0: been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who
1: qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: me quite emotional, that end bit there. I didn't see that. Okay, right. Isn't it a tangled web, this experience? This is something I keep thinking about a lot recently because I have always maintained, as you guys will know from hearing the podcast, that I chose mediumship, mediumship didn't choose me, that I didn't have a calling, I called it and I've always felt like that and yet some little part of me quietly keeps commenting recently saying but your path is different to others and I can't for the life of me Aaron work out how much of it is my intention and how much of it is spirit's intention? How much of it is stuff that I'm achieving because I want to achieve it? And how much of it is spirit helping me to achieve it? How much of the want is my want and how much of the want that rises in me is spirit's want rising through me? And I honestly don't know. And yes, I do think that... um Sometimes they will send many people to do a mission. I do believe that. And the reason why I believe that is never resonated with me when people say what is meant for you won't pass by you. I think it will. (laughs) I think if the spirit world needs to get a message out there and you won't, for example, and you won't take the steps to get that message out there, then they'll find somebody who will. And that doesn't mean that your whole life is a write-off or your whole purpose is gone, but you might find that it changes. The number of people that I have met that have been frustrated when they got some sort of information or guidance to do something from spirit, sat on it for four years and then were surprised when somebody else did it and they feel like their idea has been gone or swiped and they feel like spirit have let them down. And then you say to them, but Spirit gave you that idea four years ago and you haven't done anything with it. They never like it. It's not a good idea to say that to people, just so you know. But isn't it interesting to think about? Because I think the idea that what is meant for you won't pass by you is somewhat disempowering. Because I think there are things that Spirit want out at a certain timeline, at a certain point. And so, yeah, I do think that they will make sure that what they want out there is out there. And if you look at the human experience, if they need a certain catalyst or experience or something in somebody's life, they will endeavour to get one person to be that catalyst. But will they put all their eggs in one basket? I wonder. So, an example that springs into my head right now is a time that we were getting on a queue in a queue at Gatwick to go through passport control or security or something. And the queue was horrendous, it was massive. And we ended up behind a family where EasyJet had sold their seats to somebody else. So, they had let this family with a baby and a toddler go through security, check in, get to the boarding gate and be told at the boarding gate that because they hadn't done the online check-in, their seats were gone. And then to add insult to injury, that poor family then had to go back through passport control, which must have been us on returning from a holiday at this point, to be able to get back into the main airport. And they had to queue with everybody and the queue was two hours long. And I have always felt really strongly that I was put in the exact right place to help that woman because she was with an EasyJet representative who wasn't talking to them, wasn't engaging with them and if honesty was giving off a vibe that was angry, which was probably their defence mechanism because they were dealing with a really shitty situation that their company had done. The husband had done... Uh, that male thing that not all males do but a lot of males do where he just kind of got really stressed and checked out. She had a screaming toddler and a crying baby and she was having a breakdown, bless her, in the queue and I'll never forget because I just started talking to her and gave her some sympathy and chatted away to her and we passed the time and I entertained her toddler and Do I think I was the only person that could have done that job? No. Do I think that job was necessary? Yes. Do I think she was calling out to the universe for help in that situation? Yes, I do. Do I believe that there were other people in the airport that could have done what I did? Yeah. I didn't do anything amazing or special, but it was amazing and special in the energy of it. So... I hope I haven't just gone down a rabbit hole, but hey-ho, if I have, I have. But that just is the perfect example to me of they will get the job done if they need to get it done. So in that sense, Aaron, is the problem. Because actually, wouldn't it be lovely if we were disempowered, like Lego figures, just moved along the board wherever the spirit world decided to put us and we were just plonked in the right situations at the right time but I think that sometimes they offer it to us and it's up to us if we want to take it or not and if we choose not to take it there might be another opportunity to do it later there might not On my spirit stories coming up with uh, people that are going to be sharing their stories, I have got a story um, from Lisa that will tie in very nicely with this, actually. Um, So keep an ear out for that. So I do think that they never put all of the pressure on us. So don't feel pressured. Equally, think about how sad you will feel. If you don't take the opportunity offered to you by spirit and you always feel like you should have done what they were inviting you to do or inspiring you to do. It's such a difficult space to be in, isn't it? I hope that that helps. I'm not sure that it does. (laughs) But please do email in. It's always good to to have your thoughts. Uh, Let me know. Okay. I've had a question from Megan and Megan says, hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for your podcast. I love listening to it. You are so funny with your British sayings. Thank you for sharing all your info. I'm a beginner medium and I love all the advice. I've just started practicing on people a few months ago my spiritual practice includes meditating and listening to upbeat music your advice of listening to lively music has helped me elevate my vibe to connect I can feel my crown chakra pulse when I have a good connection how long did you practice before you felt more consistent I'm averaging one or two out of three readings being what I would say good thank you so much Megan Never feel consistent, Megan. I wouldn't know how to answer that. It's not happened yet. Because there are so many variables. And this is the thing about mediumship, isn't it? There are so many different elements to what makes a good reading. And sometimes We are limited by the situation we are in. So if you look at that reading I just did that was released for Nikki, there was a lot of really good stuff there that Nikki was really pleased with. Would I say that was a good reading? No. I would say it was an okay reading, but I wouldn't say I was mind-blown by it. I wasn't like, God, this is fantastic, I'm cooking on gas, really proud of that work. And therein lies the problem. Because there are so many different elements there. And, you know, for Nikki, it wasn't her fault. It was just that she she didn't get uh, information from her nan that she could verify because her nan had passed before she was born. She didn't get information. Well, she did. Some of it she could verify. But for me, it wasn't enough. Does that make it invalid? No. Does that mean that um, she hasn't received healing from it? No. But that really buzzy feeling where you're getting yeses and it's really kicking on gas, did I get that? Also no. And so there are so many elements to mediumship that I would say one to two out of three is good (laughs) and celebrate that good and long may that continue for you. But mediumship is a fragile thing. I was talking to somebody the other day about it being like rice paper. And you know that if you overanalyze it and fiddle with it and suck all the joy out of it, you can melt it. And it takes a lot of time to build it back up to how it was. It's fragile. You are handing somebody something incredibly fragile. And it's not always well received. It's not always understood. And that makes it difficult. So Keep flying that flag, Megan. you sound like you're doing brilliantly, but equally there is no consistency in mediumship because every time I have <laughs> every time I have thought that I'm doing really well with my mediumship, along has come a sitter or something rising with me or something unexpected to flick me off my patch again <laughs> in absolute honesty but that's also because I've asked to learn so spirit have given me learning experiences like I asked for the reality of mediumship for the readings that I've done for the podcast and that is exactly what I've got I'd love to be in a space where I'm like oh my god that's my best work I'm so glad that everyone gets to see that it isn't like that sadly um, but that's also the way that it should be I can see you've done a PS here. What happens if you keep seeing the same spirit in your mind's eye and the sitter is not taking the spirit? Sometimes I can't pass go. Ah, oh, such a problem. Now, as you will have heard from the beginning of this podcast, I do really recommend that we go into feelings and presence and personality at the beginning and not pictures because the pictures can be brought from your own mind's eye Um, so if you're a very visual medium that is sometimes difficult but you will find it easier with practice for me what I do is it's always like they're lights and so I put that light of the spirit I move it to my left hand side and I say you can stay there come back in later and then I say right on my right hand side, I want a new spirit, completely new and completely different to that one. And then I've still got that knowing that the first one I started working with is on my left. But I'm moving into a space with the one on the right. Equally. Um, Sometimes it is about managing sitter expectations, Megan. And I've had people say no to spirits that have come in purely because it wasn't who they expected to hear from or wanted to hear from. But it doesn't mean that it was wrong. It just means that it wasn't who they were expecting to hear from. On the flip side, if you're describing someone and how they look at the beginning, that is dangerous indeed, because like I said, sometimes the images are images that your mind creates from the energy and they can be slightly distorted because they're through your knowing. So it's always interesting to play around and work out where that energy is coming from and where the image that you're receiving has formed But good luck, Megan. It sounds like you're doing great. And I'm so glad to hear it. Right. Last question for today is from Tiffany. And Tiffany says, Hi, Hannah. I love mediumship matters. Love your sense of humour. I have many more episodes of it to listen to. So please forgive me if I'm jumping the gun and you've already gone over this. My question is, I often hear people say we should let go of things or people that no longer serve us. So how do we know if they no longer serve us? For example, I have people in my life who I find challenging, like energy vampires and contrary people. I do try to drop hints and put up boundaries as much as my people pleasing will allow, but they stay a constant in my life. Maybe I've just answered my own question and they're there for me to learn how not to be a people pleaser. I wonder though, if someone sticks around, if that means there's a lesson for me to learn, or if there's some sort of karmic connection, or it's not possible, but I'm serving a purpose for them, but not vice versa. I think I'll end this email with a Morrissey lyric that popped into my head while I was writing this. In my life, why do I smile at people who I'd much rather kick in the eye? <laughs> <laughs> All the best, Tiffany. I think I need that tattooed on my body somewhere. (laughs) Well, from one people pleaser to another, Tiffany. Sucks to be us, doesn't it? (laughs) Right, now this is the interesting thing. I've been really thinking about boundaries a lot recently and one of the things that has been coming up continuously for me from spirit is that boundaries are like I was gonna say like being in labor I'll explain that a little bit more shall I boundaries are easy to maintain for a short period of time even for people pleasers if we've really thought about it and we've done the work and we've decided what's a comfortable space for us then we can manage it for two hours but it's harder to manage for a weekend. And that's what I mean about labor. It's all well and good saying I can do without pain relief. And if you did, nod to you, amazing. But you know, my first baby got stuck. So after three days, I was a bit tired. So I did take the pain relief. Viva the revolution. Very grateful for that. Thank you. And it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Anyone can bear anything as long as they know it's going to end. It's when it feels like it's really, really long, it's harder to maintain that boundary. So my first piece of advice is see these people if you have to, if they're in your life. Make excuses where you can. Minimise contact as much as possible. But when you do see them, see them out and away from places and make it very clear that you've got to leave at a certain time. And don't be afraid, Tiffany, to lie. If you have to say, I've got an appointment, so I'm sorry I've got to leave, just say it it, even if it's not true. If you didn't answer your phone when they rang, just tell them that you've been busy or you've been having tech problems. Do what you need to do to protect your energy. Now, the idea of serving is always an interesting thing. I think it is just really trying to give yourself permission to let go of energies that are bringing you down. Now, if we think about our spiritual journey and our energy as a vibration, as a hot air balloon, that is rising and you're trying to rise and rise and rise. Sometimes we end up with people in our lives that are sandbags. And no matter how much hot air we put in the top and how much we try and meditate and focus on our vibration, they pull us back down. And those people do have to be let go of. At some point, Tiffany, and where possible, because our spirit just reminded me, you can't do that if it's your family, can you? Because it just doesn't work like that. I know some people can and they can do better than me, but I couldn't. I couldn't bin off my family members that are always moaning or complaining, even though their vibration brings me down. So you can put limits with time about how much time you spend with people, for sure. Um, but there are some people in my life that I have had to let go and some of those people have been people that I have loved dearly and I've had to go through massive grieving processes because it's easy really to let go of somebody that's irritating you (laughs) let's be honest oh bloody hell I'm sick of hearing from them not such a problem but when you love somebody and you know that they are draining your energy or toxic for you then That's much harder. It's much, much harder to let go of those people. So don't expect too much of yourself, but do allow yourself downtime and away time. And that's really what happened with me. The more time I spent by myself, not mixing energy with people that were no longer compatible to me, the more that I found myself in a space of comfort with me, and then my beautiful comfort and peace, it felt more obvious when I was with a vibration that didn't work for me or match me. And I could feel the energy change and the, the shift and the impact on me. And that made me more determined not to put myself in that situation. But it wasn't quick and it wasn't easy. It was a journey. You do not need to worry about being the lesson for anybody else and never use that as a reason to stay in somebody's life if their energy isn't good for you because the spirit world will get that lesson to them however they can and it doesn't have to play a part from you. So I hope that helps, even though it probably didn't because I'm a terrible people pleaser and it is a challenge. Um, but you can do this you can make the changes you need to. So start with boundaries, start with reduced contact, limited time, and then build it up from there. If you've got a question for the podcast, you can email podcast at hannahmedium.co.uk and I will answer as soon as I can. Thank you for listening.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.